And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. We welcome you to this morning's broadcast. We thank you so much for joining us. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 2 verse 21. In our previous broadcasts, we have seen that the Jews of the Bible times had certain privileges and they made certain professions. In today's verses, we see five indictments against those religious Jews. God the Holy Spirit moved the Apostle Paul to write scripture which prosecuted Israel. And now with his message for this morning, please welcome our very own Pastor Robert Elliott. You know, yes, this passage clearly addresses these religious, pompous, arrogant, unconverted Jews. And by secondary application church family that I love, this passage also addresses any of us who cling more to religion than to Jesus and who have a partiality and a prejudice about who really we want to be in heaven with. And so these religious and unconverted Jews, we've seen that they had privileges. To review, they had the privileges of a reliance on the law, a boast in the relationship with God, a knowledge of God's will, an approval of the excellent, and an instruction in the law. But that was not all. These unconverted, pompous, religious Jews also made certain professions of things to be true, They professed that they themselves were guides to the blind. They professed that they themselves gave light to the darkened. They professed that they themselves instructed the foolish. They professed that they themselves taught spiritual infants. And they professed that they themselves possessed the laws, knowledge, and the truth. But the problem was they hated Gentiles. And now we go on to our third point tonight in these verses. And it is that Paul's prosecution of these Jews. Paul's prosecution of these Jews. Uh, the prosecuting attorney in the courtroom of heaven is the Apostle Paul under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And Paul prosecuted these arrogant, pompous, uh, provincial Jews who had religion gladly but re- re- really had no relationship of love or faith with God. Listen to the prosecution that God, the Holy Spirit, had Paul, the apostle, write in the scriptures in verses 21 to 23. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You who preach that one should not steal, do you steal? You who say that one should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law through your breaking of law, do you dishonor God, prosecution, 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 prosecution. Again, five is the number here. There are five indictments against these particular Jews in these particular verses. Indictment one, they were not subject to the law which they taught to others. They were not subject to the law which they taught to others. Verse 21a shows us that. Number two, they were immoral thieves. They were immoral thieves, verse 21, second part of the verse. Indictment three, they were immoral adulterers. That's the first part of verse 22. Indictment four, they were hypocritical money grubbers. They were hypocritical 
money grubbers. Verse 22, second part. Specifically, they didn't tithe. There were three tithes under the law for the Jew of the Old Testament. Three tithes. Two were 10% tithes annually, and the third tithe was an every third year tithe. And so under the law, the Jew was to tithe 23 and a third percent annually. But they didn't. They talked a good game, but they didn't play a good game. They were hypocritical money grubbers. They didn't tithe. Fifth indictment against them, their disobedience dishonored God. That's verse 23. Their disobedience in these things dishonored God, who they claimed to know, but they didn't really know. They just kept as a parachute. They kept God as a parachute. They kept God as a uniform. They they kept God as a calling card. They They kept God as insurance. Now, we might understand all of this in this way, I think. The Jews possessed the law, but the law didn't possess the Jews. The Jews, oh, they possessed the law, but the law didn't possess the Jews. Now, unless we look down our spiritual Gentile noses on our spiritual Gentile high horses, do we not possess the Holy Spirit if we're saved, but have times when the Holy Spirit does not possess us? Are there not times when Although we possess the Holy Spirit, there are times when the Holy Spirit does not control us. I think of my own flesh patterns when I'm not controlled by the Holy Spirit and instead I'm controlled by my flesh. What it looks like is I get a critical spirit. I get a discouragement. I get a sharp mouth. What are your flesh patterns? They're unique to each one of us. When we are not controlled by the Holy Spirit, we are going to succumb to the deeds of our particular tailor-made, unique DNA flesh. Sure, we possess the Holy Spirit if we're in right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. We possess the Holy Spirit as much as him as we'll ever get at the point of conversion. But how much of us does he possess to control any given moment? Unless we look down our Gentile spiritual noses at these formalistic Jews of Romans chapter 2, Could we not additionally say that although we possess the Bible, all of it, which they didn't possess all of it, by the way, we possess all of the Bible, does the Bible possess us? Is it that we go through the Bible in a year, or does the Bible go through us? Or do we say, when God's Word is before us in our quiet time, or as we do our devotions with our spouses, or we come to a setting like this and the preacher expounds the Word of God or we hear the Word of God being taught on the radio or the television, is it that we sometimes say, well, that doesn't apply to me? Uh, it doesn't apply to me. <laughs> applies to Sally. Oh, boy, Sally should hear that. She really should. Do we possess the Word of God, but the Word of God does not possess us? Do we, in some measure, go through the Word of God, but the Word of God is never allowed to go through us to change us? And so in this passage tonight, We've seen that Jewish people back then had certain privileges. They had certain made certain professions. They uh, were prosecuted by the prosecuting attorney, the Apostle Paul, who was writing under inspiration from God. But there's more to see here in this passage. Fourth point, the Jews profaning God. That's something we ought to see here in this passage. Verse 24, please. For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. 
Ouch. The name of God, and any red-blooded Jew would understand this, the name of God stood for all that he is, his character, his attributes, his uh, will, his decree. For the name of God is blasphemed, made ordinary, made crass, made usual among the Gentiles because of you, religious but unconverted Jews. Ouch. The Jews profaning God is the fourth point in our outlines tonight based on verse 24. And the question to me that comes screaming out of verse 24 seems to be, when God's Old Testament people dishonored him, what did the world's people do? When God's covenantal people, the Jews, blasphemed God's name, what did those outside of the covenant community of being Jewish do with, with God? Well, Isaiah 52, 5 is one summation of what happened when God's people, the Jews, dishonored him and how the Gentile unbelievers responded. Isaiah 52, 5 describes this kind of a very sad situation when Judah was on the verge of falling into 70 years of Babylonian captivity due to flagrantly, repetitively dishonoring their God. Isaiah 52, 5, God speaking, Now therefore, what do I have here, declares the Lord, seeing that my people have been taken away without cause? God is saying, you're going into Babylonian captivity and you think for no good reason? God continues. And again, the Lord declares, those who rule over them howl, and my name is continually blasphemed all day long. God brought judgment on Judah, 70 years worth in Babylon captivity, because the Jews who were covenantal people to be in relationship with God in obedience, humility, and worship weren't living properly. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas at another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue on our family feud. And just a reminder of where we've been, as we've already talked, that every family has their problems. All families are different, but they all have at least one thing in common. Every family is made up of imperfect people, and that includes you. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about when our families frustrate, annoy, or maybe even hurt us. We have an opportunity to show them patience that God shows us when we messed up. And lastly, we talked about how the power of forgiveness, when our family hurts and offends us, we have to ask for forgiveness. And I think that as we continue today, we want to talk about how the Bible tells us as kids and how the Bible tells us that we need to honor our parents. First of all, before we look into what God's Word says, we need to understand what honor is. And I think that when we think of honor, you know, a lot of times we think of respect and we think of all these things. And that's part of it. But honor is, is what we talk about finding true value in someone. Honor someone is a way to respond to the respect you already have as they, and believe they deserve. The Bible tells us that God gives people value in two ways. First of all, he gives us value by creating us. We see that from the very first chapter of Genesis. When God created man, he said it was very good. But we also see as Christian that God purchased us. And that brings honor and that, that's, that we were worth the price to be paid for. By God sent his son to die for so that we could have a relationship with, with him. 
So, when we consider these definitions, we have to understand that I am valuable, therefore worthy of honor. You are valuable and worthy of honor, and every single person you'll ever meet is worthy of honor. You know, a lot of times when we talk about respect, we talk about honor, you know, we, we say we have to respect our elders. But today we want to focus on, as we think of the family, how do we honor our parents? Again, as we consider that whole honor your parents, we need to understand that, that God even saw this as important to put in the Ten Commandments. From the beginning of time, the second book in Exodus 20, he tells us, in verse 12, it says, Honor your father and your mother, so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Again, as we look at that, there must have been problems from the beginning of time as we consider, you know, problems in the family. Because as we think of the Ten Commandments to honor your father and mother, it must have been a problem. And when we consider that and we look at honoring our parents, again, as we think of that, is it easy to honor our parents all the time? The answer is no. But this is a command from God. You know, when we consider just even a couple of the, the verses after that, the Ten Commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal. To have this honor your father and mother, it's important to think about. As Again, as, as we think of the Ten Commandments, we think of this particular one. We think of the Israelites, God's people, were the first given this commandment from God. They had just escaped from the land of Egypt, where they had been forced to live and work as slaves for generations. Many of the Israelites had never before lived without control of authority figure. So God gave his people a new law to live by, a set of laws that would direct their steps and keep them close to him. One of those is the Ten Commandments, as we looked at today, and, and honor your father and mother. When we consider even now as the Israelites, we consider when we look at Deuteronomy and we talk about how the parents have to teach the kids. So God saw that the, the relationship between parents and their kids was very valuable. He saw that it's their parents' responsibility to bring up their kids. And when we consider today's society and we consider what we are going through as we look around you know, society and we look at our culture, we see the families broken down, we see the problems that we have. A lot of it stems back to this, that the parents aren't there or the, the kids aren't respecting their parents. And we see so much broken down families. And that's why it's very key for you as a teenager, as we know that some families are broken. We know you're listening to broadcasts. You may not have a father in the home. But it doesn't say in the scripture that you only honor because you have two parents. No, it's saying to honor your father and your mother. Whoever you're living with, if you're living with a grandmother, whoever it may be, honor that person. It's a command from God. It's not a choice to say, oh, I'm going to do it if I feel like it. But we need to understand. You know, sometimes when we think of this and we think of parents, sometimes we, we question our parents. And we think that our parents are from another planet. And we think that, oh, what are they talking about? But honoring my parents isn't as simple as some people may think. And then some people say, well, my parents have problems. And we understand that. But again, it doesn't say honor your parents if they are this way. It's telling you to honor your parents. Again, as we consider that, they go against God's law and God's scripture. Then that's the issue that we have. But we still have to show respect and honor. In fact, the Bible is very clear because even in those circumstances, if you are our believer and your parents honor believer, hopefully you can win them over by just showing them honor and respect by the things that we do. 
You see, we all make excuses for not honoring our parents by telling ourselves things like this. They don't know what they're talking about. Or they're out of touch. Or it's just their opinion. I don't agree with it and I'm not going to live by it. We've all thought this about our parents from time to time. We think our parents don't know anything about today. I want you to, again, think about this. And I want you to, as we close this session and we look at next week, and we're going to talk a little bit more about how to honor our parents. I want you to think of something that you can do for your parent today. I want you to think of, you know, we have these days with Mother's Day and Father's Day and, you know, the days we, we, we try to, you know, put our parents on a pedestal and treat them nice and, you know, do these special things. But what if you did something that wasn't on Mother's Day or Father's Day, that you just treated your parents with respect and honor, that you did something out of the love of your parents, as we're going to look on later on in the series. You see, I think that too many times we look for, you know, the excuses or we look for the events to honor our parents. But again, as we consider this particular commandment, we are to honor our parents all the time. It's not a choice. It's not whether I feel like it or not. It's what God has said, and even with the promise, so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Again, as we consider this text, I want us to remember, whatever it is you're going through, that you would honor your father and your mother, whoever it is you are living with, that you would honor them and respect them. This is Pastor Nicholas in another edition of You Talk. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, good morning, listeners. This morning, I'm really happy to have my friend uh, Patrick Rutherford from Precept Ministries in the radio studio. Good morning, brother. Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Um, you serve as the Caribbean director of Precept Ministries, a ministry dedicated to helping believers to know how to study and live God's word. I want to talk to you with you this morning about mentoring, mm-hmm. and I'm wondering if you would be able to give us a simple definition. What is mentoring? Mm-hmm. A, a mentor to me, Pastor, is someone who teaches, who encourages, uh, someone who is perhaps not as experienced as you are, uh, someone who's transparent and willing to share their life experiences with someone who hasn't been there yet. Great. So it's doing life with someone else you trust and respect, and gaining the benefits of that as a two-way street. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I think you're 100% correct. Okay, good. Um, Now, still with mentoring this concept, why do you feel it's really helpful? Well, I'll take my young life, Pastor. There are a lot of things down the road that I know absolutely nothing about. But to know that there are people resources in my life whom I can ask and get reliable uh, information from, reliable experiences from, uh, to be able to uh, get advice from someone who's already been through a situation or an experience. I think that's invaluable to anyone who's looking to be mentored. I would agree. Yeah. Would, you th- would you think that it's fair in a general sense to say that men are a little less prone to ask for a male mentor than women are to ask for a female mentor? If, if so, why? I don't know. Us us men have this, I don't know, I, I, I've heard it described as this lone rager mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, we love to be alone. We love to uh, 
try to figure things out on our own. Uh, us men have a hard time asking for help. Yes. Unlike the ladies mm-hmm. who do exactly the opposite mm-hmm. of what we're talking about. Um, pride can mm-hmm. be a big issue. Um, past I find too, if there is sin involved, there's also a great degree of shame. Sin thrives in secrecy. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you are Bahamian, and uh, I think that you've observed a bit about the Bahamian church over your years. Mm-hmm. And we were chatting off uh, microphone about some of the layers of, uh, shall we say, resistance to mentoring that have to be cut through, mm-hmm. particularly in the Bahamian mindset. Would you share that with our listeners, please? Oh, Pastor, there's, 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 so, there's so many. Um, like I said, there's the shame. Um, there is the uh, sense of helplessness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is this fear that what I may share with you is going to somehow end up in the public for mm. uh, in prayer meeting mm. uh, on the prayer list yeah uh, on Facebook or, or all these different uh, forms of social media so there is a great fear um, uh, when I when you look at a person's upbringing especially here in the Bahamas you don't share what's wrong mm-hmm. you try to put on a good front uh, stiff upper lip uh, in the old British way um, you put your best foot forward um, you can be suffering but you ask any Bahamian how they're doing and what's their first response oh fine <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so for there to be meaningful uh, pairings mm-hmm. of um, brothers in Christ with each other and sisters in Christ with each other there has to be a, a humbleness there has to be a uh, uh, disclosure, a transparency, and of course, undergirding all of that has to be a strict confidentiality. Absolutely, absolutely. I think a lot of the work, especially from the mentor's standpoint, he or she first are going to have to be so willing to be transparent, as a matter of fact, to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, so that that person who is struggling with a, a particular issue mm-hmm. are able to say, wow. Pastor Rob was there. Mm-hmm. I may want to talk to Pastor Rob on the side and find out uh, some more. Maybe his situation is close to mine and maybe he can help me. That's so good. It's yeah. like taking ourselves off of any pedestal that someone's put, put us on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, now, I know that you've had the, the pleasure and the, and the benefit of being mentored by a mentor uh, in your past, maybe in your present. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of growth have you seen, Patrick, because uh, of being in such a, a mentoring relationship? Pastor Rob, I think that's where I've grown the most, under that mentoring relationship. Um, under that mentoring relationship, I was able to look myself in the mirror and, and say, Patrick, you're a man. Prior to that, Pastor Rob, even as an adult, I couldn't look myself in the mirror uh, too shy, too, too, a lot of shame. Uh, so um, personal growth, um, my mentor has been that person who has challenged me unequivocally in the importance of having God's word in my life on a regular, consistent basis. And he has called me out on the mat many a times. Mm-hmm. And there have been times I've called him or called them and have expressed an issue, and they can say, they'll say, Patrick, you haven't been studying like you've been supposed to. You would know that. 
and they say it ever so gently. Yes. Um, and in the same process, they've been very transpa- transparent in the process. Patrick, I was there. I've been there. I know what you're going through. You see? That's great. So I would assume that to, for this to work that in any mentoring partnership, that there must be love. There must be uh, unconditional um, love and unconditional self-evaluation. Self-evaluation is, a matter of fact, tough love. Tough love. Tough love. Um, that mentor is going to have to be able to say, hey, you're wrong. But also in saying you're wrong, here's how you can make it right. And all the mentors who God has brought into my life, all of them have had a strong, firm foundation and a handle of God's word. Every one of them have been able to, in that process, take me to the word of God and show me. And the the cool thing about that, Pastor Rob, is, and I don't know where I heard it from, but while I'm being mentored, I now can turn around and mentor someone else. Mm. That's that's marvelous. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm so glad that, that God has done that in your life. And we want to create a culture at Calvary Bible Church where this is happening in a, in a big scale. But yes. we have to start small. We've got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just believe that when men and women enter into these kind of mentoring relationships and find benefit, that the grapevine will hear about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, happy yeah. customers, as it were, will yes. bring in new customers. Yes, absolutely. As a matter of fact, Pastor Rob, God's bless Mona Lisa and I with four children. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to always be around. And it would be intoxicating for me to know that there are men in the congregation at Calvary Bible Church who my two sons can go to, if needed be, uh, to say, hey, can you give me some help, some spiritual help in this particular area? So what we're talking about, I think, is that church is a lot more than showing up two Sundays a month, sitting in the back row and leaving early. It involves community. It involves uh, openness. It involves uh, mutual love and and, uh, edification, the building up of each other and the things of the word and and, uh, of Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, How could a person... Uh, do you think, how could a person who is listening say, okay, I want to get some mentoring? How, how do you think typically they could do that? Oh, pray. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Pray, 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 pray. Um, there are people in your congregation who God has placed there and who have a, a spirit of discernment who if you went up to them and say, hey, would you help me in this particular area? As a matter of fact, I suspect, Pastor, there are many, especially quote-unquote older persons in our congregation who are just waiting for us younger folks to come up and say, hey, can we get together over Coke soda? Right. These precious souls that are wondering, do they still have any usefulness in the church? Absolutely. 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 Well, I think we can say, listeners, that it's Patrick and my prayer for you who are listening and learning about mentoring, that you'll get off the dime. You won't just hear about it, but you'll do something about it. Yeah. Because the the dividends and the benefits of being in such a pairing, um, only eternity will tell how much God will do in that kind of a setting. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us 
at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.